Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. All right, show of hands. How many of you have a big fat mouth that sometimes gets you in trouble? Let's just be honest. Confess before the Lord. Yeah, we all have that problem, that issue. Everybody say, my big fat mouth. Yeah, so in this series, I do want to address your big fat mouth. Um, I know you'd like me to address your husband's big fat mouth or your kid's big fat mouth or your boss's, somebody else's big fat mouth. But I have to look inward because here's the deal. This whole series, I'm preaching from experience. Uh, I have a big fat mouth. I find all the time I say things and I'm like, ooh, where did that come from? Or I say things and I'm like, wow, Todd, you know, like you have to be careful. Your words are weighty, like back that train up. And so sometimes you have to do, sometimes you have to go and ask for forgiveness and apologize and make things right with the words that you say. And so if you have not been a part of this series, please go on to nbchurch.tv. Go watch the first two legs of this series. It has been fantastic. Um, But let's dive in today. I want to give you what I believe to be the most important relational principle when it comes to how you communicate. This is it. You ready? This is it. this is it. If you thought about how well you communicate, maybe between parent and kids, kids to parents, spouses, friends, relatives, coworkers, those interconnected relationships, there's a principle I'm going to give you and it's brilliant. Now, don't be tempted to like dismiss it as simple cuz sometimes brilliant is simple. And so don't don't overlook that because here's what I know about you. You want to have really good relationships and you want to be heard, you want to be understood, you want right you want all those things, right? Cuz you know one of the worst things in the world. I find this to be true if you go to like the teller at Starbucks and their microphone thing is not working. Drive-through. Do you know what a teller is? Teller? Is that the word? Teller drive the drive-through. You go to the drive-through at Starbucks and then like it's just like and you can't understand them. It's painful. And you're not even sure what kind of drink you're going to get when you get up to the next window because you don't think, not only did I not understand them, I don't know that they understood. Oh, they understood me. This is true if you have cell, like cell phone coverage. For some reason, me and my wife, we switched cell phone providers and we thought the coverage was good until we got home and we realized our home is in a dead zone or something like that. And so we'll be like walking around the house, like doing all kinds of weird stuff. And, and cause, cause the phone will be cutting out and there's nothing worse than having your communication broken up and not understanding what somebody said and feeling like there's no way they understood me. And that's how life works, right? You have these interconnected relationships. You would, because here's what I need you to know. If you're married in here, wave at me real quick here. Yeah, you're married to a radically different person. They're weird. The other side of your marriage, you're like, they don't make no sense. I make sense. They don't make sense. Notice that you're both saying that and you're both thinking that. Well, I make sense. They don't, they don't make no sense. And so here it is. Are you ready? This is the principle. I want you to write this down. I want you to tweet this. If you're looking for a new tattoo, think about this. Okay, you ready? This is the principle. Are you ready? Everybody say quick to listen. No, everybody together. Come on, the Niners are rocking like we're all excited here. Everybody say quick to listen. Slow to speak. Everybody say it again. Everybody say quick to listen. Slow to speak. That, that's what you're going to tweet. Tattoo, write down meditate on, think about, right? Because again, if you will adopt this principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak, here's what's going to happen. You're actually going to start to get more clear communication because again, what do both parties want? Both parties in a communication want the very same thing. We want to be heard and we want to be understood. 
And have you ever noticed that whenever you were in an argument or a disagreement or a conversation, that if you didn't feel like they were hearing you, you kind of shut down and stopped hearing them? Did you notice that? Like, well, they're not listening to me. Because nobody is, is talking, feels like they get cut off and interrupted and shut down, and thinks, you know what, that makes me want to listen just all the more. No, it's the opposite. It makes me upset. I feel, I feel like I feel ignored. I'm going to ignore you. I feel like I'm misunderstood. I'm going to misunderstand you. So that's what we do. Both parties end up doing the very same thing. And then we end up in this really bad communication cycle where everything shuts down. So one more time, this is the principle. Everybody say, quick to listen, slow to speak. You got to do it like slow, though. Everybody say, quick to listen, slow to speak. It's brilliant. I just saved marriages, I promise. Some of y'all are not going to get fired this week because of that right there. Now, I got to be honest, I didn't make that up on my own. I'd like to take credit for that, but I'm not that smart. I stole that from a guy named James. James is the brother of Jesus, right? So he has his own book of the Bible. So if you have your Bible, because I saw two people walk in with their Bibles, the rest of you are just going to look on screens or on your phones, but the two people open up to the book of James. And so in the book of James chapter one, now let me tell you who James is, because it's pretty fascinating to even think that James has a book of the Bible. And I'll tell you why. Because when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they wrote the accounts of Jesus, they talk about Jesus's family. And Jesus's family was not always down on team Jesus. They were not always like pro Jesus. Jesus is the Christ, because let's be honest. Have you ever had like a brother or a sister that got weird? Right? Like, and you're like, God, they got weird. I think they thought Jesus got weird. Because if you claim to be God, what would your siblings think of you? They think you're weird. They think you need psychological help. So there's these accounts in the Bible where James is like, no, he's not the Christ. There's no way. But later, after the resurrection, it says that Jesus presented himself to all kinds of people, and James was one of them. Because you have to ask yourself the question, what would it take for you to believe that your sibling was actually the son of God? I would have to see them die and be raised from the dead. That's it. That's the only thing I could come up with. And that's where, you got to remember, James would have been there. James would have been with his mom, brothers up on the cross. I can't believe he did this. I can't believe he got in trouble. Look what they did to him. But then what? Three days later, all of a sudden, Jesus starts appearing to people. And all of a sudden, James went from a doubter to team Jesus. Why? There's only one thing that convinced me that my brother was the son of God. And that's if I saw people kill him. And then he was raised from the dead. So if you've ever doubted Christianity, James is a good excuse for you to maybe reconsider. Maybe Jesus is because he talked his brother into he was the son of God. So, so this is who he is. James, James is the brother of Jesus. Not only, not only did he believe that Jesus was the Messiah and the son of God, he actually died for it. Now, that's a whole other thing because people are weird sometimes and they get weird beliefs. And people will die for what they believe in. You ever notice that? Cult groups do that. They die for what they believe in. They're going up on the spaceship. They're drinking the Kool-Aid. They're handling the snakes. They got all kinds of weird things. And they'll die for what they believe in. James did not die for what he believed in. James died for what he said he saw. And there's a difference. But this is James. And so James has this whole book of the Bible. And it's really just a big sermon. It's got all these cool illustrations. And that's where we find this one thing. So James chapter 1 says this. My dear brothers and sisters. Now I got to make one point on this. And only because it's kind of controversial right now. And it's a little bit of a hot topic in the Christian world. And you may not know about it. And so that's okay. You can just gloss over right now. But like there was a guy that came out recently. And was just kind of like snarky and rude towards women in the church. 
And everybody's like, ew. And there was a debate and a controversy. And so what I want you to know is, is that in the first century, women did not have a place in society. Like women, for the most part, were thought of as second class, second tier. Y'all couldn't testify in court. Nobody cared what you said. Literally, you couldn't testify in court. Nobody believed you. You were, you were thought like dads would sell off their daughters for like financial gain, right? Or political gain or relational gain or business gain. And there was, it was just, women weren't, and so look at what the gospel does though. Because Jesus is so strange in how he treats women. Because he just treats them like they're people. He just, he loves them. He walks up to them, talks to them, has conversations with them, does the most socially taboo things. You can remember the very first evangelist was a woman. She had been married five times, right? And then she goes and tells the whole town about Jesus as the Messiah. And the whole town comes, it comes to see Jesus. The, the very first women that actually talked about the, um, the resurrection, just women. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote the book called Romans, which one of the most theologically important documents, he gives it to a woman who's called an apostle. So, so, so there, there's this idea that we are all one in Christ, and in Christ we've moved towards this powerful equality because it was there in Genesis, and we lost it through sinfulness, but we get it back in Christ. And so James is saying, I just want y'all to know, I'm not talking to dudes because we're all in on this thing, my brothers and sisters. Can I get an amen? Come on, my sisters, can I get an amen? So anyway, I don't think that really applies there. But anyway, so my brothers and sisters, and this is what he said, take note of this. Which is cool. Anytime the biblical authors say, take note of this, what should you do? Now write this down. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Which, by the way, makes no sense. You ever thought about that? Like, how can you be quick to listen? Like, your wife starts talking, you're like, hold on. You're like, what, what is quick to listen? Like, how do you even speed? Like, hold on, speed up my listening process. It's just a play on words. is to get you to think of how important this is. Whatever this listening thing is... Be fast, be quick, be Johnny on the spot, get after this, be quick to listen. So this is, if you're taking notes, your first priority, the number one thing in the whole sequence, the most important thing relationally you can do is what? Be quick to listen. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't. How many of you are good listeners? Good? Awesome. You people are wonderful. How many of you not so good at listening? Maybe not. Men, sometimes it's like selective listening. You know what I mean? You listen to what Men tune out sometimes. You ever notice that? What? Hey, here's what we're, here's what I'm not doing because I'm not a great listener. I have to really train myself to do this. Instead of listening, this is what we are typically doing instead of listening. Have you ever noticed sometimes you're just ignoring? Like if, if you're on a device or the game's on or you're busy with something and you know, you, you just, you're, you're ignoring, pretending. Sometimes you do that. You're like, yeah, babe. Yeah, yeah. And you smile and nod and smile and nod and you're not, you're in a different world. You're pretending that you're selective listening. You only listen to parts that you really like and you ignore the other parts. Debating. Do you ever do this? Do you ever just have like argument? Like they're talking. You're like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. Let me tell you. And you just, you're not listening. You're, you're debating in your mind how they're wrong or how you're right. Or you're preparing. This is probably the one that we do the most. Have you ever noticed that we're just, we're not listening. We're thinking about what we're going to say next. And we're waiting for that little pause or opening so we can jump right in there. Isn't that so true? We're not listening. We're preparing. We're thinking. We're debating. We're arguing. We're ignoring. We're, we're off in la-la land. We're not listening. And James said that the most important thing and the first thing in the sequence was is not that you think or not that you even speak, but that you do what? Listen. So he said, I want you to be quick to listen. As a matter of fact, really, 
this is a play on the idea of the golden rule. Remember the golden rule that Jesus gave us in the Sermon on the Mount where he said, I want you to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is just the communication version of that, right? Do you, hey, let me ask you this. Do you want people to listen to you when you speak? Everybody's like, wait, is that a trick question? The answer is Jesus. I don't know. The golden rule of communication is the same thing. The golden rule of communication is to listen to others the way that you want to be listened to yourself. And James said this right here, if you would just be quick to listen, think about all your arguments, think about all your conflict, think about all of it. What if instead of speaking, you were, before you did anything, you were quick to listen. Now he continues because he says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. And then what? Slow to speak. Everybody say slow. Remember we just, it's quick to listen, which doesn't even make sense. And then slow to speak. And it doesn't mean talk slowly. Because that's condescending. You're going to irritate people. So don't be slow to speak. Just be slow before you open your mouth. Or we can say it like this. Is that when it comes to our words, wait and be late. Your instinct to open your mouth, James is saying, stop it. Wait and be late. Here's another one. And if you have to speak, this is what you ought to do. Be curious. If you have to speak... Ask questions. That's, that's ultimately what you ought to do. Ask questions. And I know what you're thinking because some of you that talk a lot, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I ask questions, they'll just keep going on and on and on. I know that's the point. The point is to let them speak and to let them be heard so that you can understand. Because that is actually the point. That's what, as a matter of fact, kids, if, you, if, if you're a kid in here, look at me real quick here. I'm going to give you some shocking information here. If you do this, it will blow your parents' minds. They might buy you a car, okay? Just trust me. The next time your parents start giving you a lecture, you're going to, I know how it is because you're like, ugh, whatever, ugh. And that's, I know, I did it too, okay? I did it too, and now I'm reaping it. So, so there's that temptation of you to want to tune out their lecture, but here's what you do. It's going to blow their minds. Now, you'll have to wait a couple of months so they forget that I said this. So in a couple months, you pull this off. The next time mom or dad start giving you a lecture and giving you the what for, and just do this. And then as soon as there's a pause, just say something like this. Say, mom or dad, you know what? I, I really want to understand what you're saying. Do you think maybe you could say that in a different way so I could understand it even more? They won't know what to do. They won't know what to do. It'll be crazy. Husbands, wives, listen, listen, listen. The next time. Just, just, you wait, you be late, you be curious, you ask questions, you keep looking for clarity, you keep looking for understanding, you keep digging in, and that's what you want to do there, because the more you listen, the more you'll learn, the more you'll understand, the more you'll sow into that idea of, I heard them and understood them, they're more likely now to hear me and understand me. If you don't believe me, we'll keep, we'll keep going with this because James says a lot here. He goes, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then what? Slow to be angry. Because this is, you ever notice how hot you get? Hot and bothered and irritated and agitated and mad and angry. And, you, and then what do you do? When you get angry, you either yell and get loud and go external or you get sharp with your words or witty with your words or snarky with your words or you just go internally. Remember last week when we learned about what a cold shoulder was? Whew, it's cold back there. It's actually a, 
English thing for giving away meat. It's weird. But that's what we do. So we go internal. We just shut down. We stonewall. Why? Because we're angry. And James is saying, actually, I want you to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then that, because being slow to be angry is actually the result and a decision. Let me say that again. It's a result and a decision. What I mean is that if you are actually quick to listen and slow to speak, that by default will make you slower to get angry. But it's also a decision you make to say, no, 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 I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to jump in and try to get my way and prove my point and argue and get them to think how I think and get them to come to my way of thinking and all that stuff. So again, watch this. The longer you listen, the more you learn, the less you'll be angry. That's it. The more you listen, the more you'll learn then you're less likely to get angry. That is the point. Because you're seeking to understand. That's the whole point. And if, you'll, if, you, if you're always talking, you're not understanding. If you're always talking, you're not listening. You're not learning. You're not actually making great relationships. That's just the way that it goes. As a matter of fact, when you think about this, think about the, the, there's a book I read in my 20s, and it was really, really popular. It was written by a guy named Stephen Covey. It was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Did anybody ever read that book? And one of the habits was seek first to understand and then be understood. He stole that from James. He made millions of dollars. He stole that from James. Well, there were seven habits. That's one of them. So one-seventh of that is James. That's who that ought to go to. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Everybody say, because... Now, here's the deal, because I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, well, Todd, this has now just become a self-help type principle. That if I just seek to understand, then to be understood, I'll be able to influence them later and get my way. Right? Makes good sense. And it's probably true, but that's not the point. Everybody say, because. So James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry because, and this is how the scripture keeps going, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, usually when people quote the scripture, they just quote the first part. There's no period. This goes straight into this type next, next thing. So whenever we put chapter and verses, sometimes that messes up the flow of what James was saying. He's saying, no, there's a deep because here. Everybody say because. He's saying that you have to be quick to listen and slow to, slow to speak and slow to anger because your human anger or frustration, it does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness means right standing with God. So let's just use the term rightness, okay? So your anger does not produce the rightness of God. And the reason why is because you're so determined to be right in your communication. How many of you want to lose your arguments? Exactly. Nobody wants to be wrong about their arguments. Have you ever noticed this too? Because we talk about this all the time, that we get angry and we need to be right. And so by being right, we're not listening. We're actually slow to listen. We're quick to speak and then we're quick to get angry. We do the exact opposite. And have you ever gotten into an argument, husbands, wives especially, and then at the end of that argument, the other person said, you know what? You're right. You won the argument and I lost. So therefore, I will now surrender all my thoughts and feelings and I'll just do whatever you want. Has anybody ever done that? I was just checking. I thought maybe there was one weird person out there that did that. Nobody's ever done that. How many of you ever at the end of a conversation or argument or debate felt like you were right and the relationship was better because you were right? 
Nope. Okay, I'm just, I'm just polling. I could be wrong about this stuff. Maybe James didn't know what he was talking about. What he's saying is, is that if you're quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry, you're not going to get frustrated and end up ruining, ruining the rightness of God. Because here's the deal. God does not care about you being right. God cares about you being in right relationship. Let me say it again. God does not care about you being right. God cares about you being in right relationship. Or we can say it like this. You want to be right at each other. God wants you to be right with each other. That's different. See, you thought this whole time God wanted you to be right about stuff. Do you know being right can actually be harmful? Think about all your relationships. How many times has being right helped you in your relationships? Because what we know is this, is that many times you can write somebody right out of a relationship. Guys, listen, if you're right all the time, I had a guy that was like this. Um, he was a friend of mine, and I was, I was counseling him through his marriage, and he could debate and argue really well. He was articulate, and his wife was not super quick-witted, not great with her words. Now, she was, funny enough, she was right most of the time, but she couldn't out-articulate or debate or argue because that's a skill set. If you don't believe me, go to debate class. It's a skill set. You can be wrong and out-debate other people. It's possible. You can be dumber than a box of right, or rocks in, in terms of your ideas, but out-debate somebody else. And so you end up, he, he, I promise, he righted her right out of the marriage. And they had to do some real serious work to pull that off. Sometimes with your kids, you can do that. You can write them out of the relationship. You're right. And listen to me, parents, I know that you're right. You're right 90% of the time, at least. But sometimes by being right, you actually hurt the relationship. And so again, usually if you win the argument... You lose the relationship. And what does God care about? The relationship. Watch this. John chapter 17, Jesus does a whole chapter on the church or God's people being in unity. And the whole prayer is, God, would you make them unified? God, would you make them one? God, would you make them unified? God, would you make them one? Not ever once does he like, God, help them to get all their doctrines just right. Because we all have done that perfectly, Right? What happens is, is that we disagree on non-essential doctrines and then we argue and we fight and we get frustrated and then we get divisive and then we separate and push away. Why? Because we needed to be right. You don't need to be right. It's better to be right with God, in right relationship with God and in right relationship with one another. Because you've got to start thinking long term about this stuff. You keep writing people to death. Writing people them out of the relationship. And so again, if you win the argument and things are worse between the two of you, you lost. You did not actually win. So I know this is a great sermon. It got real quiet up in this Methodist church. Okay, so let's go back to the Bible. Um, so let's read it again. Uh, James says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What does God desire? You to be in right relationship with him and for you to be in right relationship with another. Next verse, therefore, I say therefore. So these three verses, you can see that they're linked because he's like, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. And then he says, because, and then he has a therefore, I say therefore. Anytime you read a Bible verse and it says, therefore, you have to go find out what it's there for. That's clever. Come on, come on. I'm a pastor. Help me out. Um, so therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Huh. So he's relating this idea of having to be right and be in conflict with moral filth. I mean, when he says get rid of, it's the same Greek word as like take off. Take off. Like if he had a coat on, take that off. 
Because we wear that stuff sometimes. Our need to be right, our need to win, our need to argue, our need to debate. He said, no, 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 you got to take that off. That's like an ugly coat. You got to get rid of that thing. Take that thing off. And the evil, or what we might even say is violence. Because think about it. Think about where does violence come from? Violence, the vast majority of the time, comes from our words. That's where it begins. Rarely do you just walk up on the street and just punch somebody in the face. That's not, that's not how we do it. We, there's usually a conflict. There's relational tension. There's words that are exchanged. And then it escalates. So think about marital violence and workplace violence, and think about the violence in our society, where does that come from? He goes, no, 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 you got to get rid of that. you got to take that off. You can't operate like that. Now watch this. Watch how he does it. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent, and then humbly. Everybody say humbly. That's a virtue that we don't put a lot of weight in anymore. But the only way for you to actually be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry is if you annihilate your pride. That's the only way that happens. He goes, no, no, you got to get rid of that. The only way that you can pull that off is to do it with absolute humility. And what you do is this, is that you humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, I'm going to close here because this is brilliant. What he is asking you to do is just to participate in the gospel. That's it. Remember he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. Do you know what he says is? He's saying this, I want you to be mindful of this. This is the word or the gospel that was planted in you, which by the way, that's the thing that saves you. What I want you to recognize is, is that this, that James is asking you to do is what God has already done for you. God was quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. I want you to think about this. When Jesus came to earth, did he come to be right? Because if he just came to be right, that could have taken about 30 minutes. Right? I'm just going to shoot down there. I'm going to give him the what for and tell him what is and what isn't. And it's going to take me about 30 minutes to put that down on paper or to put that down clearly. And then I'm up out of there. Did Jesus do that? No. He comes as a baby that cannot speak. Babies don't have words. What are they, two before they're kind of making little partial sentences? I mean, like, and then uh, Jesus came, not just because you got to think about this. He came, and then when he spent time with people, they loved him. Can you imagine why? It's because he loved them. He listened. They, he, they felt that he understood them. The writer of Hebrews says as much. The writer of Hebrews says, you know why you can pray and know that God gets you? It's because Jesus came and lived just like you. And he understands what it's like to be tempted in every way just like you. Jesus understands. He did not speak for 30 years. Think about that. If I were God, I would have just come down with a thunderbolt and some fire, and some really cool fireworks, and then I'd have laid it all out quick, and said, get on board, it's time to get right. Think about this. Jesus, listen to this, please get this. This is the gospel. Think about every time God forgives you of your sin, God is choosing his relationship with you over being right. Because God is always right. He's never had a wrong day in his life. He couldn't be wrong. He's God. He, so he chooses to set aside rightness so that he can be in a relationship with you. Why do you think we can exist in relationship? Because God doesn't drive home his absolute need to be right. We wouldn't exist if that were that case. Watch this. I'll prove it to you. 
First Corinthians 5 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Or you're a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. How many have ever heard that Bible verse before? It's a great Bible verse. We base our name, New Beginnings, off of that Bible verse. That you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Now watch this. He goes, all this, this newness, this new relationship, this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is, let me, let me pause here real quick here. This is what we're saying here is that God has done this for you through Christ. And he didn't use the word, uh, God came to make you right so that you could be right about everybody else and be in rightness. And No, no, no. He said, no, no, he came to reconcile. He wanted to pull your relationship back together. Rightness, being right about everything wasn't the goal. Being in relationship was the goal. In verse 19, and this is it. That God was doing what? He was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. What did I tell you? God's always right. But he didn't need to be right and prove that he was right and make you wrong. He actually laid down his rightness. That's what, Think about it. Jesus was right and he laid down his life. Jesus was absolutely right and he was crucified and allowed it to take place. Not so that he could prove that he was right. He was already right. But that he could reconnect you into relationship with God, and thus into relationship with one another. And watch this. And now, because of that, he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. You know what your message is? It's not about being right. It's not about having all your doctrines just right, because nobody in the history of Christianity has ever gotten all their doctrines right. In the book of Revelation, St. Peter's not at the gate saying, did you get all your doctrines right? Are you in relationship with God? And what he's saying is, is that the same relationship, the same reconciliation, isn't that what James said? He goes, this word that's been given to you, which by the way, saves you, that's why I want you to live this way. I want you to do for others what God has done for you. I want you to be humble. And in your humility, I want you to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to get angry. And in doing so, watch how you reconcile your relationships. Bow your heads with me today. So the big question for you is, is like, you have to wrestle with some of this. Man, am, am I a good listener? Am I quick to listen? Am I quick to listen? Or am I always having to get the last word in? Am I always interrupting people? Am I always, while they're speaking, I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say next so that I can be right and win the argument? Because if, if, if so, we're, we're losing our relationships. My big fat mouth is getting me into all kinds of problems. My big fat mouth is winning the argument in the moment, but losing the relationship. And now I've got this distance between me and them. How do I reconcile that? How do I draw closer to my spouse, to my kids, to my friends, to my loved ones, to my coworkers? And James says it's easy. Well, it's hard, but it's, it's right there for you. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Be slow to be angry. God, would you help us to take this profound gospel principle and so live it out? May we be so aware of your grace and love towards us that, God, we give that grace and love to those closest to us. 
there was a statistic that I read that said that of all the words that you speak, about 80% of them are given to the five closest people to you. I want you to think about that. Out of all the words you speak, about 80% of them are given to the five or six closest people to you. This is so important. Your words are weighty. Your words are powerful. Your words are creative. Your words have life and death in them. And James said, before you even open your mouth, you know what the best thing that you can do is? Don't open your mouth. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And then in doing so, you will actually be slow to anger. And then in that, you will find rightness with God and rightness with one another. Lord, help us to be these people. Lord, help us with our tongue, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, we all said amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap today? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.